0: The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is a prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. No at the door. Father, we, we, we thank you. Thank you for the honor to be called by your name. Lord, we are grateful, Lord. In every life present in this place, in all the lives that are joining us over the internet, even right now, we ask in the name of Jesus that you do that which eyes have not seen, do that, that which ears have not heard, do that, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. All our glory will be given to you. Jesus, mighty name. We have prayed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today we are in part three of Full Recovery, um, a series that, by God's grace, will lead up to the God to service next week Sunday. Praise the name of the Lord. And um, today, we, um, there's pretty much no subtitle um, for this part three. Part one, the subtitle was Recover Your Passion. And part two, the subtitle was Recover Your Mind. And this is part three. um, You have the liberty to call it um, whatever you want to at the the end of the teaching. That is, you will know what to call it if you really want to. Our text is from Mark chapter 8 from verse 22 to 26. We'll be Um, going at a high speed also, like we did at the 8 o'clock service, but maybe not as fast as the 8 o'clock service, Um, but we'll be going at a very pretty high speed um, today. Mark chapter 8, um, from verse 22 to 26. Mark 8, 22 to 26. When they, Jesus and his disciples, arrived at Bethsaida, Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can You see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened, his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. God will completely restore you in the mighty name of Jesus. This season and beyond, by the grace of God, you are going to experience full recovery in the name of Jesus. The the story that led up to this um, encounter with the blind man was Jesus was on a journey with his disciples and they were wondering that they had no bread because Jesus was talking about them being careful of the living of the Pharisees and and they began to um, argue amongst themselves themselves, it's because we don't have enough bread for this journey and you can imagine Peter looking at maybe Thaddeus and saying tedious you're in charge of administration how come we have run low on bread and tedious looks at judas and said judas did not supply the finances and judas says um i don't know i stole the money (laughs) maybe." (laughs) you know so but bottom line they didn't have bread and they were concerned and jesus made a statement jesus said to them that why are you worried about bread you see you don't have bread, fact. But why are you worried about bread? Have you forgotten about the miracle of feeding of the 5000? Jesus asked them, "When I fed the 5000," Jesus said, "How many baskets did you pick up extra?" Ah, uh, they said, "Oh okay, God, I think it's about 12." Jesus said, "That is correct. When I fed 4000, how many baskets did you pick extra?" And they said, "Um, 7." And Jesus says, That is correct. So, why are you worrying about bread? So, the fact that you don't have something in your custody does not mean your God cannot supply that thing. So, you need bread. Let's use bread, for instance. The fact that you don't have bread in your cupboard or your fridge, wherever you put bread, does not mean your God cannot supply the bread. So, Jesus was saying, the fact that there's a problem doesn't mean there's a problem. The fact that you are faced with a challenge does not mean it is a challenge. The question is, are you in consonance with Jesus? So, many things we fret about, you know, honestly, we shouldn't fret about them. Many things that keeps us up awake, we really shouldn't stay awake, worrying. God wants us to take it to him and trust him, and God will not fail you. Say amen. amen. He will not. When we look at this story of Jesus with a blind man, it is the only story in the Gospels that Jesus did his miracles in stages. He always did his miracles instantly. This is the only time, I don't know of any other in the Bible, that Jesus did it in stages. The first part, the guidance, see well. He went back again before he could, he could see. And there's a lesson for us because it means that God is interested in your full recovery. God is interested in my full recovery. It is not enough to see partially. You have to see completely in the name of Jesus. It is not enough to be healthy partially. You have to be totally healthy in the name of Jesus. It is not enough to be financially managing. You have to be financially rec- covered in the mighty name of Jesus. So we enter this story. When we enter this story, in verse 22, we see that when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch him and heal him. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus. If they didn't bring that blind man to Jesus, the blind man would never have experienced full recovery we should never underestimate the power of invitation many of us are in faith in the faith today because somebody invited us I mean, I, the day I gave my life to Jesus somebody invited me for that fellowship in Unilad to come somebody invi- I, don't, I, I don't remember the person right now but somebody invited me to come If you think about your life, somebody invited you to God. The day you got healed, somebody invited you. Many of us, first time in church, this church, somebody invited us. We should not underestimate the power of an invitation. An invitation can change a life for eternity. It is so powerful. It's so powerful. And this season affords us a beautiful opportunity to invite people to church. Next week, Sunday, GWDIA, perfect opportunity to invite people to church. Why would I encourage you to invite people to church? There are ways not to invite people to church. While everything starts with an invitation, the job you have today, somebody invited you. The person you are married to today, if you are married, you invited your wife out on a date first, right? Did they still do that? It all starts with an invitation. It all starts with an invitation. But there's a bad way of inviting people, there's a wrong way of inviting people. I'm sharing in the the 8 o'clock service, you know, um, you, you like a girl you like the girl. You've gone to pray about it. It's a good thing to do. You're a Christian. Talk to her. Try and uh, be charming. Be nice. (laughs) You know, as a pastor, folks come to me not all the time, but I've had a few experiences of people come to me and they say, Pastor, that girl, I say, which girl? That one over there. Oh, that one says, God told me she's my wife. Ah, see? <laughs> I, I'm like, praise God. I said, go and talk to her. I said, no, that's why I've come here. I said, I should help you toast the girl. <laughs> no, 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 that's not my job. <laughs> I know my job very well. That's not my job. In fact, there was one, there was, there was one instance that the, the, the girl obviously wasn't interested at the time, and, and the guy came and said, she is disobeying the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? She says, you have to tell her. In fact, another guy said to me, it's dangerous to disobey God, Pastor. <laughs> Wrong with these people. <laughs> That's just the wrong way of doing it. You have to invite the person nicely. You have to be the person's friend. You have to take them out. You have to make them want to come. Same thing with inviting people to church. You know there are, there are very horrible ways of inviting people to church. You shouldn't be a pest. Inviting people to church. Except, of course, your relationship with that person is on that level. But generally, you should just be human inviting people to church. There's a video they're going to show us now, I mean, of how not to invite someone to church. Let's have the video. Hey, what are you doing? Oh. Burying your cat, Mr. Bootsy. I loved Mr. Bootsy. I guess you love Mr. Bootsy too, huh? Because he's your cat, Well, was your cat. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you come to church with me? Because all cats go to heaven, and if you go to church with me, you can find out what happened to Mr. Bootsy. I don't think that's the way it works. Yeah, I think it is. No, that's accurate. I don't think it is. That's what happens. I don't think it does. All cats go to heaven. It's not the way it works. Are you calling me a liar? So do you want to go to church with me? (laughs) That guy needs to be punched in the face. <laughs> so, so the question is, is, who are those that are close to you but far from God? God wants you to invite them to church. In fact, if you look at the story of this man, the people didn't just invite him to church. If you read it, it says some people brought him, they, they brought him, they carried him. There was a case of the paralytic. His friends actually carried him, tore up Jesus' roof and let him down. Sometimes we have to do that for people. We have to. So who do you need to bring to Jesus? Who do you need to bring to Jesus? Who do you need to invite to church? By the time we get to verse 23, Jesus took the blind man, and this is very interesting, he led him out of the village. Verse 26, Jesus, after healing the man, sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way back home. Now, Jesus took the man out of the village. Why? We've explained before that there, in scriptures there, there are different levels of interpretation. The first level of your the literal inter, uh, interpretation, that is, what does it say literally? So, Jesus took the man out of the village. The reason of your if you're comparing scriptures jesus sometimes doesn't want people to make noise about his healing so he took the man out of the village away from those people yeah possibly it 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 also means that you know because sometimes jesus when he's in a room and it's a serious situation and he needs to concentrate and a lot of people may be mourning and all that he puts them out of the room right and he focuses and and, and does what he needs to do now in this case, he was outside I mean, there was no room so he needed to take this man out of that village some people have said, I've read a lot of documentary that said that, that there, was, there, was a, there was a principality in that village that we not allowed the man to see, so Jesus had to bring him out uh, 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 uh. I don't know about that one. <laughs> Because the man doesn't live in the village, obviously. So, you know, so it couldn't have been the personality that made him blind. But that's not where we are going. The question is this. What was the man's journey? What was the man's journey? When Jesus took him out of the familiar, he was blind. For blind people, they need to be familiar with the environment to survive. So, Jesus took him out of the place He knew. To the unknown, to heal him. That means for both, for all of us, for you and I, Jesus sometimes needs to ruffle our feathers by taking us out into the unknown to heal us. And for us, for some people, the village means many things. Your village may be your group of friends. Those guys or those girls are not going anywhere. And you know it. You love them. Or you know they are not going anywhere. If Jesus wants to help you, he's going to lead you out of that village. Many times when God wants to revolutionize a life, he changes how they think. He attacks how you think. The Holy Spirit confronts your thoughts. It deals with your thoughts. So the village for some of us is our thought pattern. Your thought pattern it's not taking you anywhere. You have to leave that village. Sometimes, when God wants to change your life, it doesn't just confront the, the, the thought pattern. It confronts the behavioral pattern. So, so we are insensitive to people. You, we are not compassionate to, to the people around us. Many times, God will... Have you changed your behavior? He needs to take you out of that village of bad behavior into the village of proper behavior. Sometimes, when God wants to change your life, it doesn't just confront your thinking or confront your behavior. God actually confronts your giving. Your giving. Many of us are giving, have been in one village. God needs to take you out of that village. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean... Myself, classic example, I get to a point and I'm like, okay, God, I need to give this amount. And it's a lot to me at the time. And I, you know, pray, get ready, and I give it. And when I'm giving it, I'm saying to myself, oh, man, you know, it, you know yes, God loves a cheerful giver, but this is a sacrificial chair on my cheek. <laughs> you know, it's a tearful chair. You know, but interestingly, when I get to that same point, just the following year, just the following year, and I look back, I'm like, was that what I was crying for? Giving? Because now God is challenging me to give something else, and I'm like, how could I be scared of giving that one? So, you know what has happened? It means God has what? Like my and that is a, that's, that's my story. Same thing with my titan. That's my story. I started by titan 10%. Then I increased it, and I increased it, and I increased it. I will tell you the percentage of titan right now, but it is not 30%. Well, to the glory of God, if you are inspired, you can clap. But the point is this. Believe it or not, if you're a man, you have a family to take care of. <laughs> giving times more than 30%, sometimes you're like, She be percent you really need. <laughs> but you see, if you understand that God is not hungry, he doesn't need anything. He doesn't. He's, he's working on my heart. He's working on me. He's changing me. He's in, increasing my capacity. So when God wants to change your life, he changes your village. It takes you out of that village. And it says to you, don't go back to that village. Don't go back to that village. Don't go back. Sometimes you need to step out of your known world in order for you to see the real world. There's so much, so much that God wants to take you into. So if you are are to see what you've never seen, you have to be ready to go where you've never been. I'm ready to go where you've never been. So quickly, verse 22. Jesus got there to the city, to the village, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Now, what did they beg Jesus to do? Touch and heal. Everyone said touch and heal. What did Jesus do? Verse 23. Jesus... Spitting on (laughs) the mouth's (laughs) face. He laid his hands on him and healed him. Even as I spat, some of you were, as I pretended to spit, rather, I didn't really spit. Some of you were like, yuck. Right? (laughs) Jesus spat on the guy's face. (laughs) Everybody must have held their breath. (gasps) What is he doing? What is he doing? They say touch and heal. Jesus spat first. You see, when you come to God, you know what you want God to do. My advice to you is, don't worry about how God will do it. Don't worry about how God will do it. These people, they came to God, they came to Jesus, they, they told him what to do, and they are showing him how to do it. Just touch and heal. Jesus says, you want me to touch and heal? <laughs> <laughs> spit on it and spit on it I spit on the guy. So come to God with what and allow God to determine the how. Allow God to determine the how. If you've worked with God at all, every time you figure out the how for God, God always messes it up. Have you noticed? Most times. Well, it happens to me. I got to a place I don't even worry about how anymore. No, 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 no. God will make it happen. I don't know how but make it happen. Stop worrying about how. So, because his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. The way God thinks is not the way you think. Many of us, when you think of saliva, of spittle, you think, yuck, right? Every time you saw me, you're like, is it doing that on the movie? Somebody, a lady just shook her head. Oh, Pastor, can you please stop this, stop this, stop this. I'm about to puke, you know. Every time we think of... <laughs> we, we are thinking, yuck. We are thinking, oh. you are thinking, nyama. You are thinking, disgusting, you know. But you see, this spittle... Is one of the most intimate things a human can share with you. Think about it. One of the most intimate things somebody can share with you ever is their spit. People don't joke with their spit. <laughs> For someone to be able to share their spit with you, you must be special. Now the question is this, have you started exchanging (laughs) spits? Or let me ask you this, do you exchange your spits with just anybody? So it's strange, if you are married to somebody and you don't want to exchange uh spits, what else will you exchange? saw a couple, the woman looked at the other and said, don't even try it. <laughs> we're in church, we're in church. <laughs> because the man wanted to start exchanging spits. <laughs> we exchange our spits. our one of our most intimate possessions. And we exchange it with people or with the person that is mostly the most intimate with us. Praise the name of him. <laughs> so God doesn't see spit the way we see spit. So Jesus was going to show his affection for the guy. <laughs> spit on his face. Now, beyond that, beyond that, this is where I'm going, beyond that. Beyond the affection. Beyond the lubrication that spit does. Did you know that when they want to get the DNA of a person, of a child, they put a swab in the guy's saliva at the edge, and they take some saliva. Why? Because inside the saliva is the DNA of the person. So Jesus applying his spit is saying this is my composition. This is what I'm made up of and I am giving you. <laughs> <laughs> giving you. Take it. Take it. So I say to Jesus, spit upon me. <laughs> Bread of God. I, I want to bath in Jesus' spit. Really? And, I, and I, I kid you not. Really? Why? Because his spit carries his DNA. And he's applying it for healing. Because his DNA is the DNA of God. Literally, as it were. If God had the DNA. And he says, how can I access this? Take it. That's number one. Number two, the spit also contains white blood cells. With white blood cells, they tell us, controls the humi- <laughs> immune system of the person, the defense system, the defense mechanism against diseases. The white blood cells. So Jesus applying his spit on the guy's eyes is abstain. Your defense system is weak concerning your vision. I am giving you my defense system to take care of your vision. So when Jesus spat, we said, yuck. Heaven said, wow. When Jesus spat, we said, how can it be that gross? Heaven said, how can it be that intimate? When Jesus spat, we felt, is it disdaining this man? Is it disrespecting the man? What heaven says is honoring the man, sharing his DNA and his defense system. So God doesn't see like we see, and Jesus could have done many things, but he chose to go that route because he's God. In verse 22, it says, they begged him to touch the man and heal him. He took the blind man by the hand. Now, amazingly, the first touch is not for the man's physical healing. The first touch Jesus gave the man was for his emotional and psychological healing. This man was blind. They brought him there. Jesus could have said, bring him out, true or false. He could have. He could have. Jesus could have said, Go out, I will meet you there. He could have. Jesus has said to a blind man, Go and wash in the pool. The man that could not see, Jesus says, Go and wash in the pool. So Jesus could have said that. So, But what did he do? Jesus held his hands and led him out. Why did Jesus have to hold his hands? Jesus held his hands to show the man, I am with you. I am with you. It's, 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 the man has been emotionally battered. Jesus has associated and related with the man and held the man, didn't drag the man out, he led him out imagine Jesus holding your hand I mean, what comfort would that bring to you Jesus holding my hand, and we are walking together let the whole world abuse you would you care? you wouldn't Jesus holding your hand, but guess what Jesus wants to hold your hands today. In fact, I dare say he's holding your hands. But you have to follow him. You have to follow him. You have to follow him. And So, it leads us to the next thing. Because the man literally followed Jesus blindly. Literally followed Jesus blindly. He couldn't see and he didn't know where he was taking him. Many times, many times, there comes a time where every believer has to literally follow Jesus blindly. There will come a time in your life that you just have to follow Jesus blindly. You cannot tell where he's going. It he doesn't feel right. It's taking you out of your zone. You're getting out of your comfort zone. You're, everything you're familiar with is about to go bust. I can tell you stories stories of my life where I followed Jesus blindly. I had no clue. I didn't know where he was going to go. I didn't know where he was going to lead me. I just knew this was Jesus. He's leading me and I'm following him. And in fact, sometimes you look crazy to the world. The people that are closest to you will call you. I've had people closest to me call me and say, are you all right? And i I am following Jesus. <laughs> you know, today, I mean, after the fact... Many people will come and say, oh, wow, how did you know? You must have had this great vision of the end. Many times, I didn't know. I was just following who? Jesus. Verse 24, the man looked around. Now, Jesus had said, and I'm going very fast, it's okay, but Jesus had said, um, can you see, what can you see? After spitting and rubbing his eyes, laying his hand on his eyes. Jesus asked him, what can you see now? Then the man looked around. Can you see anything now? The man looked around and said, yes. He said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. This was the man that Jesus laid his hands on. Did not only lay his hands on, Jesus spat on his face, gave him his spittle. Jesus rubbed his face and prayed for him literally. Commanded the eyes to open literally. And this man said, I can't see them very well. You see, I've listened to people give certain testimonies and sometimes we are trying to help God in our testimonies. God has started a work in you you cannot say well yet, but because it's God that is working in you, you think you're obligated to make Jesus look good and say to the world, I can see clearly. When you really cannot say well, be honest. Just say it as it is. Just say it as it is. Jesus is not intimidated. He's not insecure. He loves you. He just wants to know, can you say well? Yet, we give big testimonies. Oh, God said this and God did this. In fact, when you finish giving your testimonies, the rest of us, we think, Are we even saved at all? Is this the same God we are serving? Why? Because you have embellished it. You have put this, you have put that, you have put. Just because you want your God to look big. But you see, God is not interested in that. God wants you to be truthful. God wants you to say it as it is so that your recovery can be full. Praise the name of the Lord. The story of Naomi in Ruth 1, 19-20 is a classic story. Naomi was coming from Moab, battered, devastated, had lost the three men in in her life, her husband, her two sons. She was left with Two daughters-in-law, one, had abandoned her and turned back. She was now left with only one. And she got back to Bethlehem. And they, because she was a celebrity, she was wealthy when she was going. And, and, and they were celebrating her. And they were like, oh, Naomi has come. Pleasantness. Naomi says, no, 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 no. no. I have a Mara situation right now. Can we stop these drums? You have to be true to yourself. Stop putting up images of who you are not be true to yourself this is my situation i need help you can't get help if you don't cry for help if you come and you want everything to look good then you can't get help and you see sometimes the, the church we kind of breathe kind of encourage hypocrisy not not all the time but sometimes a lady was telling me of how she said hi to another lady. I said, so how are you doing to the other lady? And she said to me, she said, Pastor, I really just wanted that to say I'm fine. So that we can all continue with her business. I said, so how are you doing? And the lady was like, oh, I'm going through so much. And she said, I didn't have a time. That's what she was telling me. I didn't have a time. I didn't want to start praying or start. Since is the God side dealing with her. that oh, you don't have a time, Abby. you? You know, and she will now repent and she now slow down and, you know, minister to the other lady and, you know. But many times we just say, how are you? And the answer is what? Fine. Even though things are not. In God's family house, don't ask, how are you? If you don't want to hear stories of what people are going through if you ask someone how are you be expect the person to tell you the truth if they are fine, yes they will say I'm fine if they are not fine, they need you to pray with them will, I need you to pray with me my child, I'm really worried about this child oh, I need I, my job I need us I need to agree on my business so. say but, 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 just say fine so that we can go praise the name of the Lord <laughs> be true to yourself to have full recovery, you have to see the situation for what it is. There is no shame in it. There is no shame in saying, this is where I am. There is no shame in it. I need God. There is no shame in it. I need God. I need help. There is no shame in asking God for help. There is no shame in asking for God for help. If you can't ask God for help, who will you ask for help? There is no shame in asking for help. People come to God in prayer and they come with drama. I mean, the strangest things on earth you come to god god sees you god knows you he knows your pain and you come and you say oh thou gracious and almighty um, i don't even know how to say it. all those big big grammar and god is say okay after the grammar then what thou that live among the cherubim okay okay then what <laughs> then what Be real praise the name of the lord be real i need god there are many of you are sitting down here you need god be real i need god don't be ashamed of your story don't be ashamed of the paths that you have been through don't be ashamed of your story don't be ashamed why because by the grace of god your story will end in his glory all the time, all the time, ending His glory, because all things work together for good for those that love God and are. They don't work for Your glory, for His glory. So I'm not ashamed of my story. I'm not ashamed of my story. You got done for Eh. <laughs> you know, part of the choir goes to the Keja Church. You know, so when they come back, they must interrupt the service and let us know. Yeah, they are back. So let's welcome them. Let's welcome them. Welcome, welcome, welcome the I don't know how else to, to read it. You know, don't be ashamed. <laughs> Ruth was not ashamed. And God turned a story around. The blind man was not ashamed. God brought him to full recovery. Jesus touched his head. Jesus said, can you see? He said, oh, God, this is small, small. He never reached. And Jesus touched him again. Touched him again. <laughs> you have to encourage truthfulness. You know, I remember a friend of mine who was, um, um, he works heavily in the, in the prophetic legit guy, legit heavily in the prophetic <clears throat> and uh, there was someone who was discipling and the guy wants to hear from God and my friend said that they should go to the altar so they came to their church altar and he told the guy to kneel and they prayed for him that he should begin to hear from God in the name of Jesus so my friend asked him so can you hear anything now? I, say, ah, I don't hear. <laughs> My friend said, "Go, go, 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 go! Something's wrong with you." <laughs> you know that was what—that was how he responded then, because he was embarrassed that he prayed for somebody, and he <laughs> if that boy knew that was how he was going to be treated, he would forge something. We should stop these things. I mean, it's not in line with God. There's no need to forge. There's no need, to. There's no need for gimmicks. Jesus is alive. He's alive to heal. He's alive to deliver. If he needs a second touch, he will give you the second touch. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, Verse 25. It says, Then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored. And he could see everything clearly. God will lay his hands on you as many times as is required. Your eyes will be opened. Your sight will be completely restored. And you will see everything clearly. In the mighty name of Jesus. So Philippians 1.6 says, he, we are confident in this thing that he that started this good work is faithful to complete it. God will perfect all that concerns you. Yes. That's Psalm 138, verse 8. He will perfect all that concerns me, he says. He says, Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. You are God's and the work. God will not forsake you. He will not. So you need to ask yourself, am I I being true to myself? Am I being true to myself? Am I being true to myself? Am I being true to myself? You need to ask yourself, am I willing to follow Jesus blindly? Ask yourself, he's taking me out of the village, out of my familiar zone. Am I willing to obey him? He's stretching me, stretching my giving, he's stretching my thinking, he's stretching my behavior. Am I willing to yield to him? Ask yourself. Am I honest to God? Am I honest to myself? Let's bow down our hearts as we burn our heads. As we think about what we've heard, I, I want you to talk to God. If you're here, you're like, Pastor, honestly, I need God. I want to be honest today. I've been forming it, but I want to be honest today. I need God. I need God. I'm far from God. I'm not with God. I want to come back to God. I used to be with God. The end of these categories, put up your hand now over your head. I'll pray for you wherever you are seated. You don't to come forward. That is me. Put it up. Put up that hand over your head. God bless you. But put up your hand. Put it up well. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. Keep the hands up. God bless you over there. Another hand over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. I'm honest. I want to be true to myself. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, put up that hand. I'm going to pray with you now. If you have the card, you can put it on your hand. I want to be true to myself. I need God. I need God. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. That is me. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. Another hand over there. God bless you, my sister. That is me. Keep your hands up until you have a card. I'm going to pray with you now. God bless you right there. Another hand right there, my sister. God bless you, my brother. Keep your hands up. That is me. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hands up. God bless you right there at the back. God bless you. That is me right there in front beside you, Joy, to your right. God bless you, sir. My brother. That is me. I need God. I want to be true to myself today. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Another hand right there. God bless you. Today, I want to be true to myself, Jesus. I'm opening my heart to you. That is me. The rest of us, let's talk to God about what we have heard. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you as they are releasing themselves. They are coming to terms with the fact that they need you. We all need you, Father. Lord, they have asked and they have surrendered. Lord, we ask that you receive them and cleanse these ones totally in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray that beginning from today, their work for you will be real and they will sustain their work for you to the end of time. Every one of us that we've heard this word, let us experience full recovery and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's pray for the Lord Jesus. His kindness, His mercy, and His favor.